it's the original judo podcast back with a new episode hi guys welcome back to the podcast sorry it's been away for so long i had a few technical problems uh with the last few interviews that we recorded and that meant that they either needed um a lot of editing or even i guess re-recording and then i got bored and distracted by other things going on so anyway hopefully um this will be the podcast back kind of regular from this week uh this is the richard golden interview um if you don't know richard he is the creator of the incredible book because of judo if you're lucky enough to have a copy of the book already um you'll know exactly how incredible it is. Uh, It's this collection of absolutely gorgeous photographs that really kind of capture the the struggle and the passion of a group of judoka on the run into London 2012. So a group of athletes and coaches. Um, If you haven't got a copy or you know someone who'd appreciate it, you can still get one in time for Christmas, I'm sure. Um, So absolute delight to have Richard on the podcast in just a moment. Before we get to the interview, just wanted to say that um, this comeback was inspired uh, after listening to a couple of other podcasts. I listen to a lot of shows. Um, this week I've been listening to Distraction Pieces podcast by Scroobius Pip and then the latest episode from the Judo Chop Suey podcast. I think it's really sad that there's, or it's frustrating that there isn't much out there podcast-wise about judo, it's judo-centric, so I think there's pretty much this, maybe judo chop suey, um, Dave over there is doing a brilliant job with that, I hope he keeps them coming, but then you get other episodes, odd episodes from from other podcasts, um, there's nothing huge out there, um, on that note though, um, go and check out the Raspberry 8 podcasts with Danny Williams and Ray Stevens. I guess what I'm getting to is that I'm going to try and keep this going until you know there's a there's a bigger range of, of podcasts out there for for judo people. When that happens, I guess I'll be happy listening to people do a better job of it. But until then, um, yeah, you're you're stuck with me. So we're reaching the culmination of another year of judo, and just had the Tokyo Grand Slam. And this weekend we're coming up to the British Championships. Delighted to say I qualified and have entered. Although at the moment I'm having a bit of a struggle weight-wise. So we'll see how that goes. Hopefully we'll get a bit of an update uh, next week. And just chat over you know, some of the highlights of the year. And potentially the weekend. Highlight might be the scales. <laughs> anyway, check out the podcast I mentioned. And yeah, I'm delighted to say that we have Richard Golden on the podcast. Hi James, good to talk to you. Good to you too, thanks so much for coming on. If people haven't seen it or come across it, it's this incredible collection of photographs that you kind of put together over several years that kind of chronicles people's journey to London Olympics. How, why did the book come about? Well, so... I started judo in 1977 in South Manchester um, with a Japanese instructor called 
it's like a subculture of judo that's sort of kind of hidden, isn't it? Really, you know, it's not. It's not very. It's not. It's kind of not very popular, is it? Um, it's not a you know highly publicised sport. Um, and also important to me was to try and give judo some some more attention. Right. Uh, you know, it doesn't get very much good press. It doesn't get. You know, it gets two minutes on at the Olympics and doesn't even the World Cup. I don't think are on mainstream TV, are they? So um, rarely covered in the news or newspapers. So it was to try and give it some more attention. Really. Okay. Looking at the end product, the looking at the book, you've had, got some fantastic shots of the Olympic teams, the Olympic players, all the different um, performance centres. But starting out, how did you know where to go? Kind of how easy did you find it to to kind of get access to those guys yeah so that's so the first person i started talking to was richard barraclough who's um, based in manchester he's vice president i know richard yeah amazing fella um and so generous with his time and he pointed me in the direction of billy kusak up in scotland uh kendall okay um camberley and down to tony sweeney at the budokai yes so um kind of pointed me in all the right directions really yeah richard's um, richard's amazing and i you know, I heard of him as a as a top wrestler and a top guy. Okay. Knocked on knocked on his door in Manchester, and um, uh, Down syndrome adult answered the door. Yeah. And I was a bit taken aback. He said, "Come in." And it turns out that Richard, maybe many, maybe many people know this, but Richard is he looks after Down syndrome adults and people with learning disabilities. You know, who are older in their forties and fifties, whose parents aren't aren't around anymore right. in his in his house, which is just amazing. You never know what's behind somebody's front door. Oh, that's incredible. Just uh, I didn't, and I, I didn't know that. Nobody told me, so um, it was it was amazing, and just it sort of says a lot about his character as well. Oh, definitely. That that yeah, giving up your home and that thing, that's amazing. So he, yeah, he pointed yeah, he pointed me in the right direction. Went up to Scotland. And I think, and you might be able to con- confirm, people wondered what the hell I was trying to do. <laughs> um, thinking it was this guy with a camera pointing at us and telling us stuff. And uh... Everybody loves the camera. I think everybody was delighted <laughs> that someone was, um, like you say, like it's a novelty the first few times. Um, yeah. Because there is no press for judo as such. Um, so when someone comes in and shows an interest and and obviously looking at the projects, looking at the book like you're clearly good at what you do so it was it was amazing to to, to kind of be a part of that yeah it was it kind of it grew organically really you know um and trying to follow different people's stories and be there when something significant happened which is which is obviously really difficult yeah and the, the contest side wasn't as important to me um as the behind the scenes stuff, you know, David Finch and other photographers do an amazing job of the on the map contest stuff. And um, it was, it was the, you know, the behind the scenes stuff, all the prep, all the, all the strength and conditioning that goes into it. And, you know, 9am on a cold February morning, people are training in Camberley in a freezing dojo while others are sitting in a nice warm office. I think, you know, that's interesting to me. Definitely. You, you do capture that kind of sense of, of um, hard work. Because, again, when, when we do see judo, it's at the Olympics, and they're really just seeing the the end of four or eight or 20 years of, of hard work and not seeing anything that's kind of yeah. gone before. So, again, the, the captures that, that journey. And the page, page 12, um, with a kid legging it up the stairs to bake up judo club, you know, kind of reminded me when when I started judo, legging it up the stairs. 
obviously a lot later on people can't do that anymore <laughs> yeah so. um so why you've obviously made some decisions early like and i'm talking about you, you obviously decided to make the shots all black and white um kind of what was just behind that yeah just because generally lighting in dojos is just dreadful and okay. then green green and red mats just give a horrible cast to the um you know to the images so um, I mean, shooting this on film years ago would have been possible, you know, hugely expensive. And digital these days is so good in low light. So I, I just wanted to use one camera, one lens, and just do a really simple approach to it, um, more considered. Uh, I've got a background in advertising photography and, and a little bit of documentary, but I wanted to combine the two and just give a, a positive, positive look about a of judo basically you know um, not glamorize it but give an honest and positive view yeah how do you kind of put the shots together so they're obviously um you got a lot of portraits but also yeah. you've got some fantastic action shots in there is that and and some of them obviously staged and some of them are obviously mid randori how do you yeah. kind of put those things together how do you know what you're looking for um i can't yeah it's, it's difficult so I can't remember the number of actual shots I took. I think it's in the 20,000s um, wow. of actual shots. So editing actually took a long time. Wow. Um, it comes down to a couple of hundred, I think, in the book, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I didn't, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to find, be, make too much of a narrative out of it. I found, found in the end I was kind of grouping shots together. Right. Or, or telling, so like Sophie Cox, I spent quite a lot of time with her. Um, so the photographs do of her. Um, portrait of her and then opposite Brian Moore who's such a significant figure as well um, and just following her her journey through as well so that's kind of how I, I group them together uh, I, I did want just plain simple portraits straight to camera yeah uh, and it was amazing getting people straight out of uh, Randori in the break between and they were just barely written their breath um, so that was, yeah, it was interesting to do. Some people didn't want to be photographed, which was all So, you know, I'm not a journalist who will be pushy. I'd rather um, have people's cooperation do it that way. So, how and did you, when, when you started, did you see it taking so much time to put together? Uh, no, not at all. I, I did think of, I was obviously thinking in the early days, how would I get this out? I was thinking of doing an ebook, maybe, um, or a website, but just the end up it cost me so much money to travel around and uh, produce it and take time off work um kind of idea wanted to make into a you know a proper she's obviously become and so I, it took me it took me i think about 18 months or two years to find a publisher who was willing to publish it um tried all the big ones um and got either no reply or a big no from them right. um i tried to pitch the fact that the last you know last sort of judo book uh, photographic judo but was obviously Kashiwazaki's 40 years ago yeah. um, and maybe it's time for a new one but nobody really took that up just because the, the huge costs of printing and distributing a book are absolutely huge um, but what's changed these days with digital is um, crowdfunding has massively changed how a photographer or anybody can bring a book to the public which is amazing and that's that's the route I ended up taking. Yeah so you ran a Kickstarter campaign to, to actually get it published didn't you? That's right, yeah. So um did quite a bit of research on how to do a good Kickstarter campaign. It's vital to get the rewards right, pitch it right, and not ask for a crazy amount. 
because I think I've seen some projects where people ask for 30 grand to go and photograph landscapes in California. And it's obviously you're paying for their holiday. So um, tried to get that right. And then before I launched, collected a load of material that I could push on social media. Um, and it was amazing. Launched it. And then within two days, I'd already reached and surpassed the target we set. So, uh, and it went it went worldwide, which is incredible. South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, the States. Um, yeah, amazing. Totally unexpected. Why do you think you hit your target so quickly? Uh, I think it's social media. I've done this a few years ago. Um, Facebook was massive. Uh, the reach that I, I'm not very good at looking up all the data, but um, Facebook did show a huge reach um, where the posts were seen. Um, and I used Twitter quite a lot as well, which was good. Um, and then um, tweeted um, some geo hands, which I'd taken. And I thought people would just ignore those. But amazingly, that that absolutely viral. It was incredible oh, around wow. the world. And, uh, people reposting it. Um, and I think that that helped people to find find the book. But what was amazing is the book is just about GB Udoka, but people around the world are buying it, saying it's, it's relevant to them, which is incredible, really. So it'd be great if we could go through the book a little bit before we come back to, I want to, I want to ask you about some of the challenges you had once you had sure. the book out there. Are you going to start on page 47? <laughs> Is that the one with a particularly handsome chap on it? Indeed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it is. There is a... <laughs> I think 46 is one of my favourite photos. Uh, yeah. <laughs> strangling, strangling roots. Yeah. This is great yeah. audio where people can't see them <laughs> when clicking <laughs> through. But I think you've, you've already talked to it about um, kind of the judo hands pictures. And if, if people haven't seen them, I know there's a couple up on your website and they're still floating around on Twitter. But what was the nation be- behind judo hands? Yeah, obviously, um, in Kashiwazaki's book, he did it. Okay. Um, but then I saw... I saw, I met for the first time Go, and I saw it as a social media right. um, and it sparked off really photographing people's hands and portraits to kind of tell more of a story. And it just, I guess the hands do tell a story about judo, don't they? And the front, I mean, the front cover, um, people don't realize that uh, that's Sophie Cox's hand. Oh, wow. And okay. That was just, I just did that as a early on just to see how it looked. Yeah. Because um, I was going to put a throw on the front cover, but. It just seemed to work for so many people. It, a bit of mystery, what's going on there, which draws people in, because after all, you've got to stop people and make them look at the book. Yeah. So um, hence the idea of putting that on the book. And I think somebody, another designer said it referred to some boxing uh, book, but I, I haven't seen it. But obviously, boxers strap their hands as well. Yeah, so. yeah. Okay. I think some of the other the other pictures I like are um, kind of the dojos. You you do you've used to go around and catch, a, I guess, some of the meccas of British judo. As it were, which was your which is your which was your favourite place to visit? I think I think the Budokai was amazing because I heard so much about it and does and the history and just imagining all the people that had walked those stairs um, and at the, on the top step just before the end of the dojo because it's quite amazing you don't you don't get to see in the dojo at all do you to see who's there um, you just end up straight walking in so um, I think the Budokai's got loads of atmosphere but um, obviously the bath dojo was um, be- beautiful light in there, <laughs> a very very photogenic dojo. And it was designed, wasn't it? Wasn't it um, based on a Japanese dojo, I believe? I th- I think so. Um, I I run the Nottingham Judo Club, and um, mm. their dojo was based on the Bath 
uh, dojo because it had been so closely based on like a traditional Japanese uh, yeah. uh, building. Um, yeah. When you were when you were going around all the, the facilities, did everybody get what you were trying to do? Did everybody understand what was going to come out of this? I think so. Yeah, I don't know if they understood what, what was going to come out in the end, but I think they kind of understood that I was after more than just on-the-mat stuff and trying to tell their story through um, through portraits and just little glimpses of their life. So I think I think so. But I'm sure some people thought I was a weirdo. Just there with a weird judo fetish, like the rest of us, yeah. really. Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Again, like some of the other photos I love, and if you've got the book at home, go and check it out. Go and open it up because I know it will have sat on the coffee table for a little while. I like ones um, that you've captured like during Randori. Like, I think you mm-hmm. managed to, page 16, page 17, where you capture Go or some of the coaches on the side of the mat kind of perfectly still. And you've got, but the rest of the shot is really dynamic. There's so much going on. I love that. Yeah, that, that was, kind of thing. It's it's kind of just um, just waiting, having the camera to your eye, and I just use one old-fashioned camera that's quite light, and it just allows you to just keep it up to your eye, you know, rather than a great big DSLR with a motor drive, because yeah. um, they're too heavy, you can't, you can't keep them to your eye. So it was just the shapes that uh, that attracted that page, that one on page sixteen where it leads to go, and I don't, Dartford was obviously very photogenic dojo, loads of light. Um, I think I know the architect who's designed the building as well, right. but that was amazing. That was um, an international training camp, the one on page 17 with, it was just the movement, the circular movement yeah, yeah. was just interesting. And uh, black, black and white helps again because there's so much colour going on in there with the, the mats and then the blue gi and the white gi. Um, I think I was quite lucky with the mix of blue blue gis and white gis in all of the shots. It kind of gives a balance to it. And it, I think once I was at the, um, I can't remember the name of the tournament, it was the, um, the Liverpool World Cup. Um, I was shooting that and then one of the security guards said, um, it just kind of shows people that haven't got a clue. She said, oh, there's not many kicks and punches in this, are there? <laughs> and she thought it was, she just thought it was all pyjama karate or whatever. Brilliant. So, um, and, but the white, obviously the white and the blue, really for photography purposes does help separate okay <laughs> okay um i guess yeah to to people outside of judo um we all wear the same uh pajamas as, as everybody yeah. else um which kind of brings me on to the um to not not intentionally onto mark law um who wrote the pajama game yes. uh i got in touch with him early on and he was absolutely brilliant really supportive and um really good advice uh and he kindly agreed to write the forward for the book, which was great, um, which is really good. And he's also tried to get me some publicity for the book. Um, tried to get get it into some newspapers, which we've we've sent them. But I just think there's it's so difficult to get people to stop and look at judo for what it is, instead of maybe they'd had a bad experience themselves with judo or they don't they don't understand it. Yeah, yeah. I, th- um, I don't know. So I'm still still kind of sorry. I'm still kind of on a mission to try and get the book and judo to be seen by a non-judo world. Um, and that's really difficult because people in judo seem to love the book, which is great. But um, I'd be so pleased if people outside judo could see, you know, the hard work and the positiveness that comes out of judo. Yeah, completely. I think, I mean, it's 
it's one of the the challenges of sport. I'm sure you go to a lot of countries over the world, and they'll they'll say to you, or it's it's on the internet that people report that judo is a dying sport in this country and that mm. country. Yeah, but I think you'll ask people who within judo, and I think you'll ask if you ask kids who do judo, and they they might not stick around. Um, people who do judo tend to love it. And I imagine it's like all the martial arts. It's you're kind of with a group of your friends, your team, without any kind of repercussions and yeah it's it's just fun and yeah i think you capture that i think you capture like you say the the pictures off the map of just after they've trained you kind mm. of yeah how did you take contentedness um it's kind of that yeah and and just um you pride pride what they do and it's also you know the um relationship the instructor has with the players you know the billy stack and you and Trying to get that, trying to get that across, and talking to Billy, and you know, these guys are so much more than just an instructor. Um, they're a huge mentor, a huge figure in these people's lives, which is, you know, incredibly important. Um, and I think obviously it's seven years down the line since I photographed some of you. Some people are now becoming instructors, which is amazing. You know, it's the cycle continues. Definitely. Um, so how do you, how did you pick eventually who kind of went into the book? So obviously, you've got a few guys there that are. I think it would have been easy to kind of look at London 2012, see the results and, and perhaps focus the content of the book on maybe the people who did well. Was that a temptation or? Um, no, I think I wanted to give it when, when the image told a story, I think that that kind of was paramount. Yeah. Um, and I, obviously I had more of some people's stories than, than others. Um, so I, edit, I edited them all on the computer first and then did mini prints of them all and just stuck them on a huge wall on the floor and you did a process of elimination, really. Oh, wow. Um, it reminded me what, what I used to do at college. You used to stick them on the wall <laughs> and your mates used to say, that's rubbish, that's good, that's good. Oh, really? And um, kind of used that process, quite brutal, and cut them down. So with 20,000 so, photos, uh, does that take over the house? No, no. First of all, I, I, it was probably about 1,000 right. prints I had. Um, so yeah, and then, then the process is you then work on those images to get the very best out of them as you would if you were printing in a dark room. Okay. Kind of what, what were the challenges you then kind of came up against when you were trying to get the book out there? Yeah. So we, we got fully funded. It then went on to make, I think, uh, 12,000 pounds, which is incredible. Wow. Um, Kickstarter took about two, 2000 pounds commission. So I was left with 10. Um, so then basically you can go ahead with the print, the reproduction and all the technical stuff is really quite sophisticated. Um, and at the time the publisher, he handled all that and it went off to the press. We got some proofs back, which looked, which looked good. But then two months later, all the books came back and the print was absolutely horrendous. It looked like, um, Looked like a photocopy a teacher had done at school when they're photograph photocopying, you know, thirty copies. Oh no! It was absolutely dreadful. And he, the print, the publisher thought I could get away with it; it would be passable. Really? So um, major, major fallout with him. Um, eventually, got my money back from him and had to start from scratch, virtually on the reproduction again because I didn't want to use his printer. So each different printer you use, you have to, you know, match their press. So. Um, got a very very uh, good friendly designer who helped me again on that and made the book hopefully better slightly bigger 
um, and the paper that we use is, is far superior to uh, to the original print run. So, um, but it cost cost me a lot more money. But I'm so glad, so glad I did that. And that was then that was then printed in Belgium, and uh, came back in April uh, 2015, I think. Yes, long time ago. So then had to fulfil the. There was 400 books that we had to send out. Um, a lot of them international. Um, so that was a major operation. And then people started buying the book on on the website, which is amazing. So sales sales have been going quite well. It went really well up to Christmas and um, sort of doing two or three or four a week. Um, got one more to send out to America tomorrow. Um, it's amazing. So one go, one went to New York last week, and then his friend bought another one. Oh wow! Which is amazing. That's incredible. And I do I do keep telling them. I said before, it's, I said I said to them in an email, it's um, it's just GB Judoka. Yeah. And they go, yes, it's fine, it's good. Amazing. Um, but the cost the cost of ship to the states are like uh, twenty eight quid. Um, and again, I apologise and say no problem. <laughs> so. Uh, so it's amazing. Some people see value in it, which is really good. Well, I think again, it's, it's so rare to see something like that. This and and like you said, the last similar thing that happened was thirty or forty years ago. So yeah. people want to be a yeah. part of it. It'd be interesting to see if uh, that was that would ever get reprinted. Uh, I don't know if it would. Okay. So where? But it'd be I, incredible. I think yeah. we talked about this before. Um, I, and again, you, you've mentioned you, your book's gone around the world, and I know a couple of copies have gone to Temri University. Um, where else has, has the book ended up? So yeah, um, kindly you and Burton and Billy Cusack took, um, I think, half a dozen books out when they were when they're out to Japan. So um, and instead of giving a bottle of whiskey, they gave the book, and uh, Billy said some of the comments were amazing that it was. Uh, the, uh, the the people that gave the book to thought it was amazing and uh, really appreciated it. So that was good. And then also, I just heard recently that um, a copy is in the Kodakan Museum, which is incredible. Never expected that uh, when I was starting this, t- you know, um, in 2010. So uh, that's just amazing. I sent a book to Matt Schuster, who was um, in the UK before Hosaka arrived, um, and he kind of passed on the baton to Hosaka. So um, he was, I, I sent him a copy, uh, a copy of the book and a picture of the YMCA in Manchester where, where he trained as well. So uh, I got a nice letter back, which was great. Following on from London, you obviously had shots of uh, Karina and Gemma, who both are medalists. Um, like, was there a, a positive reception from the press? Like, were they open to using your photos and getting some of the background story? Uh, I did try, um, and obviously, so there was. I've got a lot more photos than than are in the book of Karina and um, Gemma. Um, so I, I put to them a little photo essay, but just uh, just got negativity back in the end. And sadly, people didn't want to know about her, her Gemma's Olympic medal. They wanted to know about you know the situation with her mum, right, okay. which is just crazy. Why can't they you know publish stuff about judo, which is just. Uh, I guess the sign of the times, really. So, um, um, yeah. So no, no, no luck there, I'm afraid. But um, I still, still keep pushing. I think Nicola Fairbrother told me that she, when she was a kid, she saw Kashi Wazaki's book in a library, uh, and that made her start judo. So, you know, if we can get the book out to more non-judo people. It's going to have a 
good effect on non-judo people, which would be good. Definitely. So what's what's next? Um, book's finished. You're obviously still trying to promote it, but what kind of projects are you working on at the moment? Yeah, so at the same time I was doing the judo, I was also photographing um, some MMA gyms because they did actually, some of them had a link to judo and um, ended up photographing Rosie Sexton, who was the first um, UK woman, I believe, in, in the UFC. Yeah. So I've got some of her story. And then I met a guy called Danny Roberts, who goes by the name of Danny Hot Chocolate. Okay. Um, yeah, he's based in Liverpool and he was, uh, he was a boxer and then he was a doorman. And that's how he got the name Hot Chocolate, because all the girls used to say, hey, Hot Chocolate, <laughs> let me in, let me in. Um, but he's now in the UFC. Right. Um, just won his fights up in Glasgow. So um, I've got sort of uh, seven or eight years of his story, which which I kind of forming ideas of whether to do a book with it or something else, but um, or maybe even following for longer term. He trains in the UK and in the US. So... Um, so it's yeah, it's early days for that to, to form it into something, but um, yeah, that that could end up a book being being a book as well. Oh, that's pretty exciting. And obviously, I can I've uh, I've learnt a lot from uh, producing and ending up self publishing the judo book. So uh, hopefully, it'll be a bit smoother when I do the next one. <laughs> Brilliant. I mean, on on your website, you've got um, yeah, you've got obviously a huge sample of your your photos, and it's quite clear that yeah really into your different fighting fighting sports um is there anything you've particularly enjoyed doing um yeah i also photographed 30 years ago a thai boxer um called lisa howard and i got back in touch with her and said can i photograph you and maybe doing a book and uh, she said yes but you might want to meet my daughter who's called dakota and she at the time was 16 and just amazing and she's um she's beginning her career in Thai boxing which is uh you know just amazing oh, wow. story okay. about two generations so uh, yeah yeah and I've also been photographing um some firearms um police um I photographed those guys up to the Olympics as well there's something there that could form into a book maybe maybe on fighting and violence and something something like that I'm not sure yet but I do, I do find the whole the whole subject, you know, fascinating. Um, yeah, just and, and portraits again, you know, how people look at you and um, and how confident people can appear in a in a photograph, yeah. but that may not be true. Okay, okay, that's that's interesting to hear. Is there an example mm. you're thinking that comes to mind that you can share? Or um, I think there, there is one shot. Um, on my website of a guy who's got a broken nose and a few scars on his face. But, um, you know, the, his story is, is different as well. Just, um, but it, it's trying to, it's trying to create images that draw people into a story really. And that's, uh, the, but again, digital, pub, digital publishing has allowed photographers to do that. So I don't need to go to a big publishing house anymore. I can, I can do it myself. So, um, and you know, the, the judo book, uh, hopefully by probably Christmas, I'll probably have sold out. Oh wow! And the missus will be very pleased that I've got rid of all the boxes. <laughs> would you Would you go for a second run of them? Or uh, no, I don't think so. I'd quite like to. To it would help people probably keep them keep the value of the book. Um, I think for the future. So once they're all gone, um, they're gone. I don't think I could 
it'd be a huge on cost of reprinting right, and okay. um, you know storage and distribution. So how many how many have you sold and how many have you got left to go? So we've got about 150 oh, left. Wow. Okay. Um. So so printed a thousand or just under a thousand. Um. Uh, some of them get damaged uh, in in transit, which I didn't realise. You asked you asked for a thousand, but some of them might get damaged. Um, it depends how the print run goes, and sometimes you get a um, thousand and twenty. But yeah. I got just under a thousand, so uh, so that's the way it goes. Oh, right? and with a hundred and fifty left. Yeah. yeah. So that's not bad. Man, that's brilliant. And you heard it here first. Get get yourselves uh, yeah. a hold of what's going to be a collector's item. Um, yeah, and I do apologise publicly for the shipping costs, but um, I don't. I, I don't make any money on it. So. Um, I just wanted to talk about um, some of the photos on your website. Um, I love the ones from from Kendall's Euro Club. Obviously, I know the guys and the, the coaches involved there. I think there's some amazing ones of um, Michael Hawley and David Groom and and the club and kind of capturing those guys in training. Yeah, I didn't realise that they lived above the dojo, yeah. which is amazing. It's, Oh, but you you really kind of capture that lifestyle, um, and the the challenges and that they put themselves through to kind of yeah. chase dreams, really. Yeah, and David Groom's out in Australia now. He's just uh, I think he's just bought yeah he's bought a book to send to the gym that he's working. Oh wow! At. So uh, awesome. So I think he's uh, he's doing his little bit for publicity, which is great. <laughs> Brilliant. But the other ones that I liked were of the bodybuilding, the backstage of the bodybuilding show. So that was, yeah, that was bizarre. I was at an event with Neil Adams in Manchester, like a Budo event, and he was teaching and doing a bit of an on-the-mat display. Um, and they gave me a VIP pass, but in the next building was this bodybuilding event. Uh, so I blagged it, said to the security guard, can I come in? He said, yeah, and I went backstage, and it was just um, amazing, amazing. The false tan being sprayed <laughs> on. And, um, but, yeah. Just incredible, really, and it was all different varieties. Apparently, this is the this is the event with with no drugs. Right. Okay. This is okay. Uh, natural <laughs> natural event. Oh, yes. there are some huge yeah. guys on there. Anyway, Jesus. Yes. Yeah. I think some of those shots are absolutely fascinating. I think bodybuilding itself is a fascinating uh, event, yeah. sport, if you will. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, no, incredible. You know what they do, and it was actually amazing because I. You know, seeing the judo guys with you know the in the gym, yeah. um, and it was it's the different application, isn't it, of um, strength and conditioning? Completely. These guys are after perfection, whereas in judo, it's sort of like body armor, isn't it? And um, you know, yeah, the judo body is sort of holding it together <laughs> through injuries. Definitely. Um, so, what does the the quote that that's in your book what does it mean to you and if you haven't got the book it's um it's a Hasaka quote was i'm not a wealthy man but because of judo in my heart i'm a millionaire yeah it means means a huge amount he said that to me uh, just before he died um okay. before he was ill actually but um yeah it just means a, a huge amount and it wasn't it was never intended to be the title of the book yeah. but trying to write trying to write something about about his life and about what judo meant and it, it kind of really matched hopefully with the images in the book um because it does mean so much for people and being a being a fly on the wall observer you can kind of tell um that that's what it means to a lot of people the current players yeah. i think it kind of captures the sentiment of the book and and the sentiment of kind of 
judo and the community of judo yeah. like really really well um i think you know judo is very very honest you can't you can't um fake it um and it's it's very honest and the culmination of somebody's judo career is that quote um you know no single event is that quote really it's the you know following it was great to be able to follow people for quite a long time and see their ups and downs and highs and lows um and you know the result is you've got no money but the experiences you've had have been amazing so last couple of questions then we'll, we'll jump in if that's okay to some of my, my bog standard questions um What's the best bit of advice that you've received that you'd like to pass on to someone who wants to go out and create something like this? Um, it's uh, If they're going to crowdfund it, it's a huge amount of work. Okay. Um, it really is. Do loads of preparation, loads of research, um, but definitely go for it because it's quite amazing. And the internet just makes it all possible now. You know, to be able to sell books to um, South America from Manchester yeah. without a publisher it's just amazing um now just a, just as a diversion that's it, it's kind of one of the reasons why waterstones did want to stock it oh well wow. the, the book actually cost me so much money they would want to stock it for half the cover price right. um and i think they would have it in maybe 100 stores and if they didn't sell them they'd just send them back to me probably you know tatty so right. it's just not just not worth it anymore. and i imagine your wife wouldn't um, be happy <laughs> no, <laughs> no. So when, so that's why it's just just online, and that's why that's possible. Because um, I'm sure people go into uh, into Waterstones and um, and look at a book and then go and buy it online elsewhere, don't they? Yeah, yeah. So, um, and I did have it on Amazon for a while, but Amazon want themselves again. They want so much commission, right? Okay. Um, but just being on Amazon Marketplace, that it's just not viable. Another one I ask is, and I don't know if you know judo enough, but um, is there a kind of a fight that stands out to you that kind of really epitomizes what judo is? Um, I don't. I don't think. No, I. I, I don't have enough judo knowledge really to say that. I think. Um, but what what I did experience, um, and I mentioned it to you before. Obviously, I'd followed you and through his journey uh, to London 2012. And there's two photographs of you and there's two portraits of him. Um, I think separated by maybe a few months and when he's done his weight cut. Okay. And just this, I photographed him when he'd done his high load training, um, I think in July, just before London. And just the stress on his face kind of tells a, tells a story. And then obviously the result. Um, in London 2012, which was devastating. So uh, I think that does stand out. Okay. Right. Finally, then, um, where can people find you? Where can they find the book? And, and yeah, how do they go about getting in touch? So um, it's, it's on Facebook quite a lot. Um, if they Google, if they Google because of judo, uh, uh, the book comes up. But the actual direct website is judo-book.com. Uh, and that site will carry on probably until January 2018, where um, it's a shop site, so I, I pay for that. So I'll probably take that down when I'm when I've nearly sold everything. Wow, okay. Um, where, where can they find you, uh, uh, RichardGoulding.co.uk. That's that'll be that's my portfolio site, and there is a link to the book 
um, on that site as well. Fantastic. Um, guys, go check out the book if you haven't got a copy. There's 150 left and it is absolutely incredible. And as Rich says on page 47, there is a particularly handsome chap. <laughs> <laughs> so honestly check it out it's, it's absolutely amazing if your club hasn't got one um, go and get a copy for your coach um, Rich, Richard thank you very much for coming on I really appreciate that mate and I will speak to you soon ta-da for now pleasure thank you not much of an outro today guys thanks so much to Richard for coming on the podcast I uh, really appreciate that Go check out the book. If you've not got a copy or you know someone who wants a copy, go and order one for Christmas. There's still time to get them. Um, Good luck to everyone fighting British Championships. See you all there. And yeah, everyone cross your fingers and let's hope I'll make the way. Catch you later.